You are a valuable person. You're not a number. Neither am I. We're not ledger entries. We couldn't be replaced with any technology or anything else. We are so unique. Our consciousness could never be bought or sold. It's priceless. I see you. You see yourself. We see each other. Who's anybody kidding? The purpose of this show is to try to give you some encouragement, some recognition, some daily inspiration to uplift you as you start your day or end your day and to help you get your best foot forward because your value is appreciated here. If you're a small business owner, a wage worker, or someone trying hard to make it in these challenging circumstances, you are a hero. You are the heroes and the heroines of this show's story. Regardless of your political affiliations or your religious beliefs or your traditions or your tribes, you are the value in this economy and you are seen in a world of destruction and degradation. The world should see you for the value that you create. If you are working a job and you are homeless or houseless and you have to live in shelters or cars, this podcast is dedicated to you. Your resilience is recognized and you're not alone here. Different people do different things when they wake up. Do you know what I do? First, of course, I smell the inside of my nose. Then I hold onto the bed and make sure I'm really here because it's so hard to believe it. Then I exhale and I step outside and make sure the stars are still where they usually are. It's a moment of quiet, anxious wonderment every morning. I suppose one might say I'm an empiricist. Things are what they are. But that is a pretty scary idea for a lot of people. Welcome this morning. For me, it's morning. To smell the inside of your nose, do it right now. I'm Commercial Herschel. You can find smell the inside of your nose in all the different podcast realms. I'm pretty sure. If you do a search online, I think you'll find it. I'm going to do a really interesting story today. I told my really hardcore listeners on who listened to the Monday Friday feedback show that's not like a really heavily listened to episode you know cuz it's there's nothing there except for me just kind of doing a review and doing some inside scoop stuff but I'm going to reveal a really cool story that I'm working on and I think it's going to spin off into another podcast that I'm going to do every 2 weeks I wasn't sure if it was going to be one week or every one week or once a month. So I decided, you know, why don't I just compromise that and just do it every two weeks? I think that's a good idea because it's going to, it's a kind of thing that's going to take a little time. Um, And I hope to get more people involved. So, but first what I want to do is I want to talk about a couple of things so that you can understand the scope of what the story is and Something that you can do if you really want to understand what I'm going to talk about. What you want to do is go to episode three. It's called A Guided Dream Epoch Explained. So you'll want to probably listen to that one. And then another one that you're going to probably want to listen to to get a really good scope for this is the one that is called Do We Organize Against Consciousness? That's January 2nd. Do we organize against consciousness? So let's see what episode that is. 
I think it's episode 13, but it was, it was recorded on January 2nd. All right. And then you're going to want to go to the one that was recorded on January 4th called How's the Fourth Dimension. Okay. So those three are kind of important for you to kind of get where we're going to go with today's episode. Let's start 65 million years ago when the meteor hit the earth and that was when they we people expect that the dinosaurs were lost forever and it took a long time for the earth to stabilize and for things for the dna to take you know for lack of a better term to take root again and begin the process of coming back again you know when it did all of those distant relatives that were lost came back in a different way. They came back as birds and lizards and different things that are much smaller, milder versions of what they were then. Let's say that it took a million years or, or even let's just say for the sake of simple math, it took 5 million years for the earth to stabilize after that meteor strike to the point where things can start evolving again. So that would be 60 million years, all right, to now, you know, approximately. We're rounding things off to be, to make things simpler to understand. And we took about 2 million years to evolve to the self-aware, self-conscious beings with language that we are now. It took that long in the scope of time because who knows? I mean, some people say there have been humans here for a very long time, like even longer than 20 or 30 or even 100,000 years or 200,000 years, that, there, that there's evidence that we could have been here for a long time. But most people think language and self-awareness and sentience and volitional consciousness is something that is a more recent development in our evolution. Let's go back to that 60 million years. In 60 million years, you divide 60 million by two, you get 30 million. So that means that there were spans of 2 million years 30 times. That means other species could have evolved and went extinct 30 different times. There, We don't know how many different iterations of life on earth there have been okay we don't we don't have any idea the point is what if some of these crafts that we see in outer space originated on earth like originated from species that were from this planet and they were able to develop the technology to travel through time and space or at least through space at first, and they were able to get away from Earth before the next cycle of meteor strikes. What if, it's a very what-ificacious subject, one of those species in one of those two million year cycles of the 60 million years evolved, became sentient, developed language, developed mathematics, developed technology, They realized that they were going to get struck by a meteor and they got off the rock and then they just traveled through space. 
and eventually mastered time and space. And those crafts, some of those crafts we see are from our distant relatives, earth relatives at least, definitely sharing some DNA with us because we share the same mother organism. So that means their DNA is going to have a lot of similarities to ours. But we have no idea what if they were a species who mastered both the sea and the land. Like what if they were a species that understood living underwater What if they understood living outside of the water? What if they could go back and forth between the sea and the land easily, breathe underwater, the whole business, come out of the water, then breathe the air? If if they were like that, they would look at mathematics in a completely different way. They may have never looked at mathematics in the linear way that we do, and it may have not have taken them a long time to develop the technology that they needed to to get off the rock. In about 2020, these people in the naval service and people who fly the military jets and do defense, they've been flying around and they saw these things that they called Tic Tacs. And they've been seeing them ever since. And the reason that they can see them is because those frequencies of light that were hiding those types of craft we can now see with the kind of technology that we have the kind of technology that we have a lot keeps allowing us to see more and more and more into the light spectrum that our human eyes alone can't see i get a little bit into that kind of fun thinking in one of my podcasts which is called alien avoidance on our coinciding plane And I talk about frequencies of light and how there might be beings that are on our plane a lot, but we don't see them because they are just in a different frequency there. And we just don't see them. They could just be around more than we think. So that would be another one that you might want to check out in order to understand what this story is about. But then why would they be able to visit us if we were after them because you're not supposed to be able to go forward in time perhaps the reason is because they traveled through time but then colonized maybe another planet or two or made another planet or found a moon that was compatible or found one of those exoplanets out there and found a new place to settle away from our home here and outlived us so if they lived out there and then our time on earth came and went, and then they continue to colonize space and continue to live out in the universe, eventually the time was going to come when their time, in terms of isolated earth time, isolated earth time I explain in a podcast called What Kind of Time Is It? And that was just three days ago on January 5th. I described like the the broadness of universe, of the universal time, the time of the universe and time travel. Very, very briefly, we got into those things that we learned about Einstein and Planck and those kind of things. Not, Not a lot of time on that. And then I got more into like organizing our time on Earth and how we can actually do more with less time if we organize it properly. 
So that could be another one. I don't know. That might be a stretch to say that you should listen to that one. But that I kind of get into the concept of earth time versus time of the universe. We're in a very isolated place and we don't have any relationships with other species out there that we know that we mostly know of. So we're not a part of the civilization of the universe. We're a very isolated planet. We have our own way of telling time based on the cycles of our moon and our sun. Remember, there's a cool 13-month calendar that's based on the moon. That's perfectly 28 days every single month. That lines up perfectly with the moon. But we use a 12-month calendar based on the sun that we have to manipulate and have a, a leap year so that we can make sense of it. And the 13-month calendar doesn't need that. It's very interesting. I'm not debating which calendar to use. I'm just saying it's very interesting. So if they went out there and then we, our time on Earth ends, that means we're already gone. And they're just coming back to look at history and to see what happened to their mother planet. And we just happen to be one of the species that are on it in this time. And they've been coming back and looking at their mother planet for, for millennia, for millennia and millennia and millennia. You know, the point being, the point being is that those Tic Tacs are systems. They're observational systems. They're ovals. O-V-A-L. Oval, objective, vantage, astronomical, laboratory systems. O-V-A-L. Objective. Objective Vantage Astronomical Laboratory Systems, O-V-A-L-S. That's, that's what those are. They're laboratory systems. Why are they so small? There may not be anybody on them, but what we know is if you can travel through time, you have an understanding of how the fourth dimension works. And you, and I explained the fourth dimension on January 4th in a podcast called How's the Fourth Dimension, I explained some aspects that are, are thought to be known about the fourth dimension. Of course, we don't really know. We understand superposition, and that gives us a clue, you know, that gives us a clue. Superposition gives us a clue because when we look at an atomic particle, it behaves differently than when we're not looking at it. It's affected by our observation of it. It's affected by the when we look at it. It can feel our energy. It can feel our observing it. This is true. Go look up superposition. It's really cool. It's really amazing. Okay. Uh, an example of how the fourth dimension can it works, and I give it in that fourth dimension podcast on January 4th, is your brain is in your skull. You know how big your skull is. You can put your hands on your skull. You know, it might be... I don't know. I got a kind of a big head. I've got like a seven and a, and a half, almost an eight. I wear an eight size hat. That's how big my head is. But there's people who have different size heads and they wear different size. But regardless of the size of your head, inside your head is inner space and it's infinite. It's endless. That's a clue as how the fourth dimension works. The people who understand time travel and the and other dimensions understand the material 
so to speak, of our imagination, of the stuff that we see inside of our heads. It's not to say that the fourth dimension is imaginary and the things that they do in the fourth dimension are imaginary. They're not, but it's the same material inside there. It's the same kind of space that exists inside your head, inside your brain, inside your consciousness is the space that people who mastered the fourth dimension utilize. But in the physical world, if you can imagine that in your head. So that should give us some clues. What the ovals do is they travel through time and space, identifying life and planets all over the universe. That's what they do. And every once in a while, they pop back in and peek in on Earth and see how their mother planet was doing at some certain point in the time of the universal map. So if you think about the fourth dimension and you think about a map and you think about, um, we think about a map as laid out flat, what they do is they think about a map as something that is multidimensional. It's, it's not two-dimensional, it's three-dimensional, and it's even f- the fourth dimension. So they can go, they look at the map as a series of places. They don't travel through space in time They travel through time in space. They don't travel through space over time. They travel through time over space. They see it the other way. And they can just point to a spot on this big giant map and say, let's go there. And they just go to that spot. And so that spot might have been on Earth in 1965. That spot might have been on Earth in the year 2037 that spot might have been on earth in the year 1917 it might have been on the earth four million years before humans the way we are even began the process of evolving a whole range of times a whole range of spaces in time and that's what i'm introducing to you today the ovals program there will be a podcast in two weeks that's the first episode where this episode of smell the inside of your nose do it right now will be cut to exclude the introduction and the send-off and it will be the the introductory episode and then every two weeks a new planet is going to be described with different observations, what all the different atmospheres, what kind of life forms are on there, how far they are from their sun, how many moons they have, what they're shaped like, all sorts of different things. And I would love if somebody is hearing this and you're a real imaginative person like I am, you could always send me an email at commercialherschel at proton.me. Because what I'm going to do is I have a template of how to describe a planet and how the systems are offered, how they're done. So you can describe your own planet, you can create your own planet. And the ovals are called the system. In the report, when you see the word the system, that's talking about the observational vantage astronomical laboratory system. Then there's another group called the project team and the project team are the people that control the system that's traveling through space they're like ground control so to speak they're called the project team okay and the project team 
can disagree with the system. The system is artificial intelligence, but the project team uses it as a tool. The system is incredibly powerful, and it has amazing abilities to observe and analyze. But the project team kind of has the final say-so to speak on how things are determined and what they're thought of. Sometimes they don't always agree. It's not con- it's, there's no conflict. It's just that, you know, it, that's just the way it works. You know, those tools, they belong to us. We, we don't belong to them. We are superior to our tools. Our tools are not superior to us, you know. So that's how that works in out in space like that. But you could build your own planet and have your own oval. You'll be able to name your oval. You know, that'll ha- it'll have a name that you give it, and then there'll be some numbers and letters after it, some numbers, dash letters that go after after it, and then that'll be your oval, and then your oval will go discover its own planets, you know? And I have a template for that, again. So if you're interested in that, you can send me an email, and I will send you the template, and you can build a planet, and we'll do that podcast as co writers i'll be the producer and the writer and you'll be the writer and that'll be fun and i don't care what you're like i don't care if you want to do it as a comedy or if you're serious or if you're an historian and you want to go and observe time in earth history and maybe you want to observe a time in history because you're an historian and you want to make some points about a certain time in history or something like that you can use an oval i'll send you the template and you can use it an oval and there's a template for visiting Earth, too. But visiting other planets is going to take precedence. So the waiting list, if there ever is a waiting list of people, the one for people who want to visit Earth is going to be longer because that's not as important as visiting. Creating new planets is more important. Visiting new planets, finding out new planets. The planets inside your fourth dimension, the planets inside your cranium, Let's visit those planets in your inner space. Let's do that together. And I hope that you'll go visit my Substack. You'll probably be able to visit my Substack. You'll be able to visit my Publish Zero X. You'll be able to visit my blog stack in the Web3 space soon enough. I'm still figuring out how to use it, but it's pretty cool. I mean, all those addresses will be available to you when I release this podcast. And the I'm really proud of the graphic artwork I've put together. So you'll want to check it out. Check out the pictures. Those of you watching on video, please like and subscribe my video. Don't just watch them. Like them and subscribe them. And you're going to see the graphic arts from this project that I have so far. You know, And I hope to continue to improve that. Ovals. So take this journey with me. But I will be back tomorrow for another Smell the Inside of Your Nose. And what's going to happen right now is I'm going to put a little break here and then we're going to send off the show and be all done. But right now, here is a break. Evoking questions for your smart brain to ponder. 20, 30 minutes tops. Ease into your morning. Bedtime. Wake up. Sleepy time. Without any fear porn or panic media. Smell the inside of your nose. Do it right now. Please indulge me 
a little bit of time to just do some plugging of my different sites. I am Commercial Herschel, and I am here to help. And you can find me at commercialherschel.substack.com. You can find me broadcasting with KUAP Digital Broadcasting Network at troubledminds.org. You can find me in all the podcast realms. You can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash smellcast. You can see me at BitChute, B-I-T-C-H-U-T-E. That will be Commercial Herschel if you do a search. And at HowTube, that will also be, I think, Commercial Herschel or Herschel, one or the other. If you do Herschel, or you'll find it. And then Rumble, you'll find me at Rumble Early Risers, smell the inside of your nose. And then my Stacker, which is a Web3 thing, is called stacker.news forward slash Herschel. And at Publish Zero X, I'm Commercial Herschel. Publish Zero X is pretty cool, you guys. It's pretty darn cool. I mean, it works really good for me. I'm getting downloads from it, so I like it. <laughs> I don't use any social media. I don't use Blue It Tube. I don't use any of the social media. I try not to use any of the sites that censor people at all. I, I just don't want to. I, I, I think freedom of speech is important, and I think that we've lost our way and that we have to make it the right, do it the right way. And I'm not mad at anybody who stays on YouTube and dukes it out with them. I appreciate you fighting with those people, but I'm going to take a different approach because I came into the media space after all of the censorship got really ridiculous. Okay, so I don't want to participate in it. And I hope that people can respect that decision, but we're going to win. Don't worry, we're going to win. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening to my plugs. The other thing is, Usually what I do is I ask a question at this point in the show. So here's my question. If you were traveling through time and space and you came upon this little spot in the Milky Way galaxy where there used to be a planet and a moon and the planet was destroyed and it was just a field of energy there because the planet was destroyed by the people who lived on it and the moon was just flung out into space and probably picked up it with another planet, you know, it probably moved out and moved in with a different planet like Venus or something. Maybe got picked up by Jupiter. Jupiter's got a pretty strong, I think a pretty strong gravitational pull. Maybe it got picked up, got picked up by somebody else, you know, and you just were f- traveling through this field where there used to be a planet. What would it feel like? What would that feel like if you were some other species or you came back around through time back to before after you were here but before and then just like drove through your old hometown and it was gone but there was an energy field where the town used to be where your planet used to be what would it feel like what would that feel like this place where we live is not a joke when i gaze at the stars at night When I look out over the hills during the day, I'm consistently reminded that we live on a planet in space, wailing through the galaxy like a screaming rock. We're on such a small planet, in such a tiny galaxy, that no matter where we are in our galactic cycle, the universe of stars seem immovable. That's incredible. We are a moment. We are an instant in an infinite universe. We are an infinite and an instant universe. 
and every event that has ever happened here and that will ever happen here happened simultaneously in the snap of a finger. The instances of existence are so close in proximity that the whole thing is a singular material event. It's essentially over already. It's hard to believe we're even experiencing it. I hope we can be here tomorrow. There are people who would say that makes us insignificant. I strongly, very strongly disagree with them. The fact that we are so improbable is the very thing that makes us momentous. We are conscious beings who can observe ourselves. We are consciousness observing itself. You are each a refraction of light from a single source. You're the individual and the whole simultaneously. You're a masterful, mysterious, distinctive, and anomalous paradox that I would say is rather significant. In the context of the time that our galaxy is here and the infinitesimal millifraction of time that we each have within that context, the reality of your consciousness and your power to observe and manipulate matter, to use space, the essence of your energy and your planning and time usage in this three-dimensional plane, the influence of your refraction of the source is immeasurably exponential in the cosmic expanse because it expands as far as you are able to observe into the infinite universe because your observation affects it. That's superposition. You are rare. You are not only a body. You have radiance. You radiate. Your eyes can't see the frequency, but there's light. You are a luminescent jewel. You're a jewel that can shine on yourself from within yourself. You're significant beyond the perception of anybody else. Shine on yourself as you shine on others. And what an honor that you shine on me. Now, smell the inside of your nose. Do it right now.